What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. If you didn't check out yesterday's episode, then I recommend you go back and listen to that one first because you've joined us right in the middle of a two-part episode. It's another luthier interview. I'm talking with Frank Dimel of Dimel Guitar Works. And in yesterday's episode, as well as a little introduction to Dimel Guitar Works, if you're not familiar with them, we go through a bunch of stuff uh, going over what they do with their guitars, unique, interesting things that they do that really stand out in the world of small builder guitars, luthier guitars, boutique guitars, whatever you want to call it. Amazing stuff to do with electronics, their Leslie pickup system, how they've connected that to an analog synth setup, experimentation in guitars, their design, all of this sort of stuff. And we start to go on and talk about sustainability as well. In today's conversation, continuing on part two of my interview with Frank Dimel, we carry on talking about sustainability more. We go into more detail on that and kind of bring it out to talking about the guitar world in general and where guitars are going in the future and then we kind of go all the way back and head to the past of guitars as well and talk about vintage guitars we swap some stories about our experiences with vintage guitars what we think about them uh go on with kind of tone woods and, and that kind of idea of talking about what things in a guitar really make a difference to the sound tonally and which ones make the bigger difference that sort of stuff um and then yeah we get on to talking about all sorts of different other things in there as well. So a massive thanks again to Frank for taking the time to come on and do a big long two-part interview like this. Um, It was really, really great. Great fun just to geek out about guitar stuff. And it's always a pleasure to pick the brains of someone so experienced and so knowledgeable as Frank. So go go on, listen to yesterday's episode, please, if you haven't uh, already checked it out, because it's we're carrying on straight from that in today's, uh, and Frank really does lay down a bunch of cool knowledge in yesterday's episode. Um, if you want to learn more about Dymo Guitar Works, all of the links to check all the stuff out, some of the stuff we're talking about, all their social media, that sort of stuff, their website's linked in the description of this podcast. So just go there, check out those links in the description, and you can find out more. So without any more blabbing on, We'll dive right back into my interview with Frank Dimel of Dimel Guitar Works. Um, yeah, I mean, the sustainability thing is, is something I try to talk about quite a lot on here because it just feels like that's where the world is heading. And like I say, sometimes guitar stuff, sometimes it does really well to keep up, but sometimes it it feels like a bit off on its own and doesn't always keep up. But yeah. more and more now it is. Like the I talked about the Ebony project from Taylor yeah uh, and stuff like that um obviously a dymo you do a lot of sustainability stuff as well right yeah we try as good as we can and it's not always as easy too i mean it's it depending it's depending on what we can uh, sell to the people also i mean there are expectations and so on but uh, mm. we recently uh, uh worked together or still we are still working together with the uh, university for sustainability in Eberswalde which is not far away from our place here mm-hmm. and they approached us for uh, thermal treatment or roasted woods and um to to make a network we were we were collaborating with them in the network and um with others other luthiers also Nikuba was in there in that project and uh, wood suppliers german wood mm-hmm. suppliers and also in engineers who, who were thinking about uh, building an oven, a, a tiny oven for the uh, smaller workshop so that people can do their own thermal, thermal treatments in their mm. shops and uh, therefore can um, uh, figure out 
what kind of species are working for them and what treatments are good. There's, um, the advantage is simply that you can use uh, local sourced woods and by the treatment, it is possible to give them another uh, uh, sound character and another quality in uh, uh, stiffness or in, in uh, how they work and uh, how they resonate and all this. And it's uh, you are changing actually the character of the wood. Yeah. And the idea was, yeah, uh, so if there's so many tropical woods with uh, certain aspects, uh, can we can we sort of replace them or can we find something which works in a similar way? Uh, is it like making sense for our musical instruments? And we had uh, some uh, good and some bad experiences so far and uh, certain ways don't work, certain ways work. And uh, I think it's very interesting to, for instance, uh, use uh, very fast growing woods like, um, what is it called? Basewood, I think, mm, in English, yeah. uh, which is uh, not uh, the super interesting tone wood in the, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, but, but if you do the thermal, the thermal treatment to it, it changes its character and all of a sudden it sounds like a light piece of red alder. And uh, you mm. don't know before. You think, ah, it's a cheap wood and uh, it, it's not a quality wood, but it changes its quality. Yeah, I mean, that is, I think um, it's an interesting thing about perception because all that's really differing in there between these woods physically are sort of characteristics of hardness and and how it is to work with and things. But you know, really the bigger difference is the perception difference, isn't it? Because that's why things change slowly is, okay, it takes a while for, say, like yourself to get into a project where you're thermal treating woods and you come up with a selection of woods and treatment processes that mean you can use local woods instead of, you know, exotic yeah. woods. And yeah. that takes a while. But mm. what takes even longer is actually our perspective. It's the people like me, it's the customers who are like, mm who are like, well, I said I want mahogany, so I want mahogany. It takes a long time, even if you've kind of got the data sitting there of, uh, you know, this local wood from just around the corner behaves and sounds and resonates and in terms of how it is in the workshop is completely exactly the same as mahogany. It takes a long time to convince other people that. Have you had that experience of, I don't know, like you say, the customer's always right and stuff, but have you had that experience of trying to, move a customer towards a local wood or a thermal treated wood and and they are just they're just like no i'm having maple i'm having i'm having mahogany i'm having ebony oh. and it has to be that yeah not really because we are still offering these classic woods and right uh, it's an option uh so uh it's not that people said oh i i will never buy a diamond because they are using these thermal treated uh, woods <laughs> and so it's uh but um i i never uh, really went into a strong discussion um mm. there were um because we have these pdf uh, lists where you can make your decisions when you are ordering yeah. And then they just, uh, they decide for it because they have read elsewhere about the thermal treatment and they like it. And uh, it's already decided then in their head. And so once they think, okay, that's, that's good, then I go for it. 
And uh, um, I, I cannot recall a deeper discussion. I think it's uh, like because we are offering it anyways. And if, if they yeah. think mahogany is the go wood to go, they make the cross at mahogany. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, when you've got a customer there and they're ordering their dream guitar is not the place to suddenly, I don't know, make something confrontational. Um, but do you think going forward in, in general... Obviously, you're enjoying experimenting with the woods, but do you think the next stage is kind of like preliminary education almost? Like education sounds weird, but spreading the word, you know, getting more people to the point where they might tick that box because, yes, you know, mm -hmm. you've been telling them about the woods. Yeah, that's advance. right. I think absolutely. I mean, my personal opinion is that uh, we, the Luthiers, know many, many more details about how guitars react and sound um, as uh, the players. The players, they are mainly, they have their experience by buying the instruments and playing them. And mm -hmm. uh, maybe they have over their playing or their, their past um, have played about, I don't know, 30, 40 instruments. I have played 500s or thousands of instruments. I had, I made repairs in my Berliner shop and um, mm. I have uh, compared so many kinds of guitars. And uh, I'm pretty convinced that um, it's, um, well, yeah, the, to judge the guitar is, there are so many factors also. And I also tell the people, it's not only this um, body wood, it's so much more in your sound and it's only a, a little part of it. But uh, the point you want to get to, uh, to is that I think it's, um, I want to educate the customer truly. Mm -hmm. And I'm, uh, um, for, I, I myself, I'm, I'm convinced enough that uh, the, there is a certain reason that it has to be like this or like that. But there's also a lot of voodoo and uh, a lot of uh, um, misbelief in the because of magazines reading reviews and it has to be this and that. And it, it's there's a lot of uh, yeah pseudo uh, scientific stuff out yeah. there. Oh, we love that. Yeah, we love that in the guitar community. We love the pseudoscience. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the, the sort of like, we've all ended up on like a a gear page forum posts at some time or another about, oh, the real magic of the vintage Gibsons was the kind of plastics they were using or, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know something recently, like that. We had a very interesting discussion on Facebook recently again. Uh, we have a, there's a, Professor in Germany who uh, released a book about the physics of guitar, of electric guitar. Mm -hmm. And it's like this thick. And um, the book is about um, to um, prove uh, or to, yeah, to make a physical, um, scientific approach of that Alnico 5, Alnico 2s, and Alnico 3s are not as different as the. As you think. <laughs> Boo. Oh, he's a charlatan. It's fake and news. And he does it with necks, uh, with woods, and with every part of the guitar. And mm -hmm. so this, for me, I, I thought like, yeah, but if you, if you as a player take, take a guitar, it's not only, uh, the physics of the ingredients, it's the smell, how it touches, how it feels. You want to play music. 
and it comes mm-hmm. back to what you want to do with it. It's it's not a it's not a clock. It, it should not give you the time. It should give you a feel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like the the whole thing is an experience. Yeah, and and that's where the music comes from. That's <laughs> uh, for me. It's typical German approach, you know, to <laughs> to prove scientifically prove that this thing can't be much better than the other. <laughs> End of conversation forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that the good thing about it, though, is I guess if if the effect of it, instead of like putting the discussion to to rest is that it moves everyone more into the space where we like accept that it's subjective because i think i think it's great when everyone has a conversation on the right terms like it feels different to me or to me i don't get the right feeling from let's say it's tone wood someone goes like oh i just feel like this wood reacts in a different way and i don't like it and someone else says okay i feel differently you go that's the right conversation when it's a problem is when it's it's disguised as science, but it's not really. You know, yeah, it's someone yeah. going like, "Oh, I, I've got a, I've done experiments in my shed in my backyard, and I can tell you there's a complete world of difference between figured maple and non-figured maple." You know, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of this yeah. stuff. So, yeah. it, I guess that's the good thing about it. if someone can put it to rest in the scientific way, in the German <laughs> way, as you say. <laughs> Maybe we can just get talking about our feelings. Um, and, and admit we don't know anything about the science. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually, it's that's the fun about it. I mean, uh, people love to discuss this, and it's the same with cars and with motorcycles and everything. Mm-hmm. People love to uh, get into details. and Yeah, yeah, it's yeah and that gets way beyond the... They do the same thing in car world of like, you know, there's yeah. cars that share the same platform and engine basis, and, yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. the community just gets the idea that, oh, this one's terrible acceleration and this one just feels smoother and you right. look at the stats and it's like yeah. they're the same car basically you know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. happens as well um do, do you think that that process of kind of getting sustainability specifically not just kind of more experimentation but more sustainable practices in guitar land you know we're seeing martin and taylor both doing a lot more sustainability wise but you know, I don't know how much of that I've seen from other places. There was kind of um, Fender moving away from certain wood species, partly because of a sustainability issue um, there as well. Seems like it's slowly catching on. I don't know. How, how slow do you see that happening as as, as a company that's doing a, a lot and keeping an eye on sustainability? Do you think that's a long process before we've all got that in the front of our minds as guitar players yeah i think so because i mean it's also um, the companies have to be able to be sustainable i mean mm. uh, that it, it's uh more like a research and development thing than to uh, just simply switch uh, all the the entire fender stratocaster body production to Paulonia, for instance, or so, that, mm-hmm. that would not work. Uh, they are, uh, especially in these kind of factories who are producing retro, uh, they, they are, they are selling their history. I mean, they are, they mm-hmm. never changed their recipe. 
And this recipe is also the reason why <laughs> the guitar uh, um, community is so like, ah, I will never change uh, Red Elder <laughs> to bass wood or whatever, or whatever kind of wood. So I yeah. think it's, uh, th this is the, uh, I'm happy that uh, people like uh, Taylor, they're having their own sawmills now in Africa and, and they are endorsing the um, sustainable wood uh Or the the the, the re reforestation is, I think, the most important thing here. That yeah. the, um, these kind of countries are able, and they help them to be able to reforest. And and it uh, that I mean, the German forest, for instance, I, I've read about that every twenty three third sec uh, minute, there's a, a new house growing. And it's um, though although we have a problem with the entire. Um, Uh, condition of the forest because of the climate change, but the, mm -hmm. uh, it's still growing. I mean, it's they, because it's always getting. It's like a big plantage. It, mm -hmm. It's not an old forest anymore. It's uh, we are all. Uh, it's always getting reforested. Yeah, Re there's reforestation going on. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a really good point that companies can't just make the switch. You know, there has to be a realistic expectation on that end as well. It's not just like you say, as simple as a switch over. Um, and yeah, they also have to fight our expectations. Yeah, could you oh, imagine? They, that? I think, sorry, I, I think they have to heavily market it. If, if for instance, they, it's like Taylor did that they said, we have ebony, yeah. but it's not as black as you expected, but it's sustainable. So it's better that you buy this stuff and then the black ebony because the black ebony is very seldom. Yeah. And as we can uh, tell you, it's the same quality. <laughs> yeah. And they did they did a huge amount of work on that. Like they had a whole separate section of their website. They put out slick videos. You know, they did a lot for that. Yeah. 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 But that's mm -hmm. what it takes. Because like you say, we're so <laughs> crazy as guitar people. We see the even just the ebony being a different color. And yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We, we need the marketing video to calm us down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would love to see. Yeah, I'd love to see what would happen if Fender suddenly put out a press release saying, "Okay, no more ash, no more older, none of that. It's all Palonia." What would happen? You know, it would be great. They should do it one April Fool's Day or something, just to see what would happen. People would go. <laughs> yeah, I think, would go crazy. <laughs> I, I, unfortunately, I think it. Uh, they have to <laughs> very soon because the swamp ash is very endangered already. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because of the emerald ash borer on the one yeah. side, uh, as uh, that's a follow-up of the climate uh, change. Uh, so the wood is not, uh, you cannot use the wood anymore because the ash borer is, uh, has uh, went through all this mm -hmm. stuff. <laughs> um, it's very uh, difficult to get uh, high-quality swamp ash or one-piece swamp ash woods. And, uh, yeah. So, and people are thinking about changing it already, and especially the big companies. I mean, for me, it's maybe okay if I buy uh, the last amount of swamp ash and I have uh, woods for the next years. But Fender, if they want to uh, put out their 50,000 uh, swamp ash one piece guitars, uh, how can they do if there's not? Yeah, I think that I think that is what they're doing now. I think they've moved. If I remember correctly, Swamp Ash is now only like a custom shop option, right? Because of that, um, yeah. which happened really recently, but probably should have happened a little bit. 
a little bit earlier, but I think you can only get it as a custom shop option. Yeah, it's, um, I think yeah. now it's like that the Chinese have bought uh, various forests already for their own uh, resourcing of swamp ash to make uh, guitars in China. Right. And that's also a problem that the, the, the sawmills don't own their forests anymore in the... Uh, in the area where swampish is growing. Yeah, I mean, that kind of complicates the whole local wood question, doesn't it? I mean, um, yeah, if you think about it, if you're if you're a small builder, these things are sometimes a little simpler. But if you're working at production levels that big, uh, that's how you end up with crazy stories happening, like some wood gets chopped down in Canada or the US and then gets shipped for processing in indonesia and then gets shipped back and built into a guitar in the u.s you know very sustainable (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah there was like a famous version of that in the uk as well about like the the apples that were actually uk apples were getting waxed in south africa so they get picked in the uk flown to south africa sprayed and waxed and then sent back to (laughs) unbelievable yeah, not so sustainable, not so sustainable. No. But um, yeah, if people are buying up forests and then shipping wood around out of the US and then you buy it back for a US guitar, mm. it gets complicated, I guess. But um, I also uh, thought I also thought that it would be very sustainable if uh, that could be another good uh, niche or a business idea uh, mm-hmm. to make um, great guitars out of old guitars. You know, like uh, mm-hmm. recycling them, uh, upcycling is another new trend. And yeah. uh, if there was a, the, um, a, um, not uh, long ago, uh, Michihiro Matsuda made uh, a very interesting guitar uh, in his unique style, but he used mm-hmm. an old Les Paul copy for it. Mm-hmm. And he chopped it up, uh, cut it uh, into pieces and re-glued it and made a... An amazing piece, a new piece. Absolutely, yeah. There wasn't there one not that long ago built with like old popsicle lollipop sticks as well. Like yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah, that was part of it. Uh, he used it for the top also, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah, that was it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like uh, I was looking at one this morning that someone built out of like a garden fence that they got pulled out and and <laughs> and did that, which was crazy as well. But mm. you can absolutely reuse those guitars and i mean especially those guitars which have been treated like disposable guitars that's a great a great idea like cheap beginner guitars you know you could recycle the bodies from those because often you know the bodies in the necks that's not where any problems are you know cheaper timber but maybe make a collage out of those bodies you cut them into pieces re-glue them and Mm -hmm re-varnish them and then you make a, the, the, a new fret job and a perfect yep. fretboard and a perfect action and everything. It's all luthier quality. And uh, the wood is old. I mean, that's also something I always tell people if they are looking for a great guitar, but with a, a low budget or a small budget, uh, I mm-hmm. say, uh, if you want to have a really great guitar, look for on eBay for a guitar from the 60s. Yeah, maybe a Vox or Echo or I don't know whatever what you find uh, German ones Framus Echo Framus uh, Höfner Hopf uh, so and because these woods are old I mean they are already really old 
Yeah, for sure. That to be honest, that's just the best way to do guitar shopping on a deal anyway is to is to not look at brand because yeah. it it just has such a crazy impact. Like even like you go and buy like an older Godan guitar just because they don't have such a, a bigger brand reach. You know, made in the US guitar with old wood now at this point, like 400 bucks, you know, right. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, crazy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and uh, sustainable too because you're re- you're reusing, but also get a good guitar out of that, which is cool. Um, I did want to ask you as well. Like, we we went immediately onto the track of experimental guitars in the future and stuff. Um, but you have got yourself. A, you've you've got a vintage guitar, and we've spent a while talking about vintage guitars as well. Obviously, that's another crazy part of the market. But, um, you know, for someone yourself, like minded towards the future and looking at that side of guitar, what do you get out of vintage guitars? Because, like, I'm not a vintage guitar guy. I think they're cool. I'll go look at them in a show. But I've never been bitten by the the vintage bug so much. So I'm curious about what what excites you about the, the older guitars. Yeah, I mean, it's um, the build quality, of course. Uh, at that time, they were really focused on getting out a great product. It was mm-hmm. in the beginning of the electric guitar building, and um, they had they were like uh, competing to each other, and um, and it was uh, then Elvis rock and roll pop music was coming, and the guitar was becoming popular. So mm-hmm. uh, you had to get out a. a great product and uh, mm-hmm. there was no beginner market <laughs> uh, no. it was only Gibson you could buy that or Fender or Epiphone was okay Epiphone was the other uh, mm-hmm. possible uh, or more affordable one that was maybe the first um, entry level guitar so but yeah. Um, uh, yeah but still Epiphones from that time are the best quality <laughs> <laughs> they they were just focused on doing the right routings, doing the right neck body fit, doing the right fret job, doing everything right. And they used, of course, great woods. They used uh, the old varnishes, nitrocellulose and so on. And mm-hmm. um, they uh, were not looking at numbers. They were looking at quality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's what you feel when you are um, taking a... Whatever you take uh, from that time, you feel that there is a quality in it. Yeah, and that continued and developed over the over the centuries. And if you are today, you are um, picking up a well played vintage guitar. You will notice uh, there is a difference to a new guitar. And the it's uh, you know the guitar which are which is in the attic or is like forty years under a sofa might not do this because it was not played and mm-hmm. it's uh, I don't know why but um, the playing sort of takes out every uh, tension which is in this uh, vibrating system and mm-hmm. it's they are so um, um, rattle uh, f- uh, they uh, they were freely rattled all over the years <laughs> and i don't know and uh, every note is very very enjoyable if you play it on these kind of guitars it is really a difference and um i also noticed that after a certain 
time, like for me it was five to seven years, the guitars I'm making, they are tending to start to sound this way. The, the notes are more even. Um, it, it gets, uh, everything gets accustomed to each other and, mm -hmm. uh, there's not, not one note popping out and the other is, uh, too low or so. It, it, it it's getting a well, well hung thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's about it. That's it's that. And, and of course, the smell and the feel and the look and so on and which is uh, getting copied or tried to be replicated by, uh, these, uh, uh relicking. Yeah, I I mean, that part, I, yeah, I can latch onto that because, you, like you say, you even see it in the short term. Like, it's such a cliche, but the guitars are meant to be played. Like, I even notice if I have a guitar, you know, like when I was a teenager, you know, I had like my beginner guitar and then I saved up and I upgraded. And then um, you're not really playing your little cheap starter pack guitar anymore. Um and the longer you leave a guitar just sitting there, not playing it, it gets, it kind of just gets worse, you know, Some, yeah. somehow it just gets worse. And the one that you're playing all the time kind of gets better and better and better. I don't know at all what the science is behind that, but something about it just getting played, it like makes sense for it. It, it, it makes it get better and better. And if you leave a guitar sitting there, it gets worse. So I could see when you compound that over 60 years. Yeah. There's an even bigger effect yeah. somehow. It's also with the violets. Um, they say that if you, for instance, you take a Stradivari or mm -hmm. or Guarneri or so, and if you are uh, if you are not playing these kind of instruments, um, they they lose a value, and uh, that's mm. also the reason why they rent them out. They um, they want them to be played. If uh, they are not played for over a year or so, they are losing their value. Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. And you know, it's a good it's a good argument for not just buying these things and putting them on the wall, you know, you got to buy them and play them, which is Yeah, they, unfortunately these are collectors items and it, they are on the already on the stock market. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, I and, and it's a good idea. I mean, if you invest into a um a real old guitar still now, I mean, it's I think it's uh, imagine how much uh, Les Paul will be in 50 years. If you are buying now a 59, let's say you spend 500,000 euros on it. And yeah. you think 50 years uh, later, maybe it's 2 million. I don't know. It could, yeah, it could be. Or, you know, maybe we'll get proved wrong and all of the headlines will get proved right and guitar will just die. I'll be I don't stuck think... with some worthless half a million. <laughs> no, no, it's a cultural heritage already. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. Like mud, uh, like a picture, like an old. Oh, I think you're right. I think I look. I agree with you. I'm. I would just be far too scared to do it, even if it, even if it's a solid investment. Uh, I, I don't. I can't yeah. see myself doing it. Maybe if I win a lottery or, or something like that. Yeah, but I think it's better because I know the market, or it's always good to know the market you are investing it. And I think it's mm -hmm. better than to spend the money at your local bank and give them uh, a, a huge amount and they do whatever they want to do with your money because, mm -hmm. uh, and you don't know what, I mean, what kind of fond or ever they put it into. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, the guitar for sure, I'm, I'm pretty convinced if I would have the, the funds to do invest into it, I would do it. So you're saying that everyone listening right now should empty their bank accounts and we should all just buy lots of guitars. 
Yeah, Got I mean, yeah, I would buy. <laughs> I, now I would buy. Uh, yeah, houses and guitars. Houses and guitars. Yeah, the houses are just for putting the guitars in. Right, right? you need a <laughs> certain secured place to put the guitars somewhere. <laughs> oh, exactly. It only makes sense. No, I think you're right. Like I think people now who bought like a '70s Strat because they're just going up and up and up in value. You know, as the time goes on, and people, you know. 10 years ago we're like oh the 70s what a what a grim time for fender guitars in the 80s yeah and now you know as time moves on those are just going up and up and up in value and yeah i think some people are really really laughing at the moment who who held on to a 70s strat yeah because that's yeah, but, just going up yeah but uh i don't i don't think they will reach the same level as the 50s and 60s uh era guitars because they are actually really uh, not as good. I mean, uh, a 70s uh, Strat mm -hmm. is made out of four or five pieces of ash, and it's mm -hmm. heavy as hell, and the neck pocket is where you could uh, throw a dime between the, pocket, <laughs> the, the neck and the body, and it, yeah. it's not as good, and it doesn't uh, do its justice as a, as a good guitar. No, and, and some of them are like more niche as well. Like, the more niche you get, you know, the the less it's going to grow in value because it doesn't have that, you know, part of the reason, obviously, the 50s and 60s strats are so expensive is just the straight up demand and, and everything. Right. And yeah. the 70s ones sometimes have the niche stuff. It's the same with like 70s and 80s Gibsons. Like if you, some of the weird stuff that Gibson were doing in the 70s and 80s, it's like there's less people who want one of those models where they started like using a sandwich of walnut in between yeah. the pieces you know like, mm. there's so there's fewer people who look at that and go yeah that that sounds nice that sounds like a good idea <laughs> <laughs> so it just doesn't work i did i just say though i was i did get a i did get a quite a convincing experience with a vintage guitar one time you know because everyone says like how much of it is placebo like if you know this is a 60s strat let's say how much does that affect you you know it's a 50 strat how much does that affect you and um i did have a one time where i was playing a vintage guitar and i didn't know um it was actually i was at uh like a a guitar show thing and i wanted to try out the the amps from thomas blug yes mm -hmm. and i went over and uh it was one of the guys that works for blue guitar there and I, and i said i wanted to try it out and he said um, what kind of what kind of guitar do you usually play, like Strat or like Les Paul? And I thought he just meant type, like single coil or like oh, yeah. humbug. Mm. So I, I was th I wanted to try humbucker because I play humbucker a little more than single coil. So I was like, oh, uh, Les Paul, right? And so he <laughs> he disappears behind a curtain and he comes back with this crazily beaten up looking Les Paul. And I was like, oh, I didn't think he meant an actual Les Paul. And I was like, wow, look at the, look at the, look at the relicking on this thing, kind of thinking in my head. Cause you just don't think someone's actually going to come and bring you mm. a vintage guitar when you're just at a guitar show and you're like, yeah, I want to try out your amp. I don't know. I don't know if he thought I was a professional player or something. I don't know what happened. Cause I was just, there were also guitars right next to the, to the, to the setup that he could have just handed me. I don't know why he went and did this, but he went and got it and brought this out. And I was just immediately like, wow, this is a crazy relict one. You know, this must be one of like the custom yeah. shop ones because it's yeah. got all like the the kind of warping on the... Yeah. And it was a gold top. Oh, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I started playing it and I was playing it through the Blue Gun 1 and I was like, 
this is almost unhelpful because this guitar is so freaking good. I can't actually tell how good the <laughs> the amp is because it was just like I've never experienced that like infinite sustain thing. Oh yeah. Like mm. the note was not even getting quieter. It was just infinite with hardly any gain on it just wouldn't stop going and i was like mm -hmm. this is crazy and it's the easiest thing to play ever and he came back and i said he's like how are you enjoying the amp and i was like oh it's great um i'm really really enjoying it but i said something really stupid like oh so is this like a custom shop relic or something <laughs> and, he, and he looks at me and he was like no no that's an actual like old school proper gold top yeah <laughs> and i was standing there suddenly sweating like hand it back to him straight away like don't let me drop this thing like what are you doing coming out giving me this and it was actually thomas boog's gold top i see that he'd gone and got me and i was like you know well thank you but also i'm kind of mad at you because why why in the world did you go and get me his gold top i have no idea why but um it certainly sold me on the amp maybe that was why he did it but in terms of the placebo effect, I guess, you know, it wasn't there because I thought it wasn't a vintage. And yet I was like, oh, there's some magic in this guitar. You know, this thing sustains for ages. It's easiest thing to play. So yeah, it kind of converted me a little bit, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I felt pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was kind of glad I didn't know, I guess, because I would have been too nervous yeah. if he'd have said, here's this vintage gold top i'd just be like no i'm okay i'll no. just yeah. you play i'll just listen <laughs> it also took me quite a while i mean i had in berlin i had a customer who is collecting vintage guitars and he also plays them he, he never would ever buy a guitar beyond the 60s and mm. uh he owns like all the berliner uh guitars from dance musicians or whatever and and mm. he's collecting like 30 years or so and and he has uh, four Les Pauls for instance in uh, from 57 to 60 wow. and he over, over the time he, uh, he brought them to me because he trusted me to work on them and um, he even left uh, a 59 standard for a week at my place Wow. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> and that's amazing. And I took pictures and I played it and so. And, and the first impression was actually, um, well, I was building guitars already for years. And I thought like, well, mm, yeah, oh, it's only a guitar. It has the same sound, actually. It doesn't <laughs> really convince me. And But it took me a while. And after a couple of days, I noticed what, it's actually happening and that what, what is what i was describing that it's so even and all the notes are so enjoyable to play and it's not only the easy action or whatever the played in frets and the worn out frets and everything it's how the, the whole instrument it, it's kind of smooth and it's mm. um yeah not as disturbing or as uh, like uh awkward as a new instrument might do mm -hmm. sometimes and the yeah. roads are immediately there, the sustain is there. And, and I think it's this playing and playing of these, just to rattle the wood and every time do the same to it. And then the wood gets used to it and somehow some, something happens there. Yeah. Yeah, there is something. We're drifting into our pseudoscience again, but I, yeah, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know what it is. But well, actually, I, I would really say it's only that uh, things are get uh, free of tension. 
I think right. that's it, actually. And because you put new strings on, it's not the strings. It's not, they are not old. <laughs> they are yeah. always new. And it's, uh, it's, I think the bridge parts and the nut, uh, what I think is the most important, uh, point anyways in any guitar is where the strings attach the, the, the material. And, uh, that's where the actual vibrations go into the system. It's the nut and the bridge. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where the things are, uh, transfer and get, uh, repeated or get mirrored to the, uh, uh to the overall sound. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and everything which is attached to the, or is, uh, everything the guitar is made out of is like a filter to that sound of strings. And if you, for instance, take a, um, uh, a Steinberger made out of uh, carbon mm -hmm. or plastic, and what you mostly hear, especially on the headless guitars, is it's only strings. Mm. You hear how the strings sound themselves, mm -hmm. and everything else is out of the resonance of the strings. Especially carbon is on a higher own reson uh, uh, resonance than woods, right. and. Uh, so it's uh, only this metal sound of the strings you hear, and uh, all when you but then when you add a bone nut or you add a, a resonant piece of bodywood or as Ulrich Teufel does, he adds uh, tone yeah. bars to this uh, re, re, stiff uh, system skeleton system of uh, the guitar yeah. body. Then these tone bars uh, act as uh, resonant filters. Mm -hmm. And that's how then the strings are sounding. And that's what the pickups take. Yeah. And that's actually uh, how I see it. So for me, it's yeah, just uh, not as, as difficult. Yeah. And I remember me and you were talking before as well about, you know, when everyone gets into the tone wood debate, everyone kind of gets stuck on the wrong side of it. This is how I feel. Like everyone talks about what the audience can hear. And for me, it's like, well, yeah, all of these things, the audience basically can't hear any of it, but it, the player can can feel a difference and hear, hear a difference. That is yeah, a big thing. That is massive yeah. because if I'm playing, whether it's in my head or not, you know, whether it's quote unquote real or not, if I feel this guitar with this setup with, you know, I got to have the brass saddles and I like to have mahogany and I like to have this and I feel all together, they might be tiny things on their own, but all together that resonates right for me, then I'm going to play differently and I'm going to feel differently on the guitar. That is a big difference, right? Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. That's perfectly described. You feel better and that's all about it. And then you can do a great performance. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, you know, and that, that means you kind of just let, you let everyone in their own lane. You know, if, if Paul Reed Smith doesn't feel right playing, if there's a, I don't know, some kind of rubber component in the tuning key and it has to <laughs> it has to be replaced with brass then then that's then that's what makes him comfortable to play yeah you know? yeah yeah do Absolutely. you go that far do you go as far as paul reed smith or do you, do you stop slightly short of taking apart the tuning pegs and uh throwing out the rubber and whatever else <laughs> yeah i have to now there is a certain line where i say i accept the things how they are and <laughs> I have a life to live instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Also, well, the only thing that's left is uh, I usually end each episode with um, suggesting some music. I was wondering if there's 
any music you've been listening to lately you want to throw out there for people to go and listen to rather than having to put up with my suggestions over and over? Oh, that's for the moment spontaneously. Oh, hard to say. I'm listening to my playlists all day while working. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, but I have not really something like where I can say, well, this is totally amazed me in the past, in the recent past. Uh, oh, it doesn't need to be recent. We can go mm -hmm. old. We can go old school. We can go whatever. I mean, what's on your playlist? What what usually makes up the bulk of your playlists? Oh, it's it's uh, a, a weird mix of uh, my favorite tunes out of my youth, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, everything from uh, Grace Jones to Jeff Beck, uh, David Bowie, Zappa. Uh, mm -hmm. Then a little bit of uh, ministry, and uh, recently um, I also enjoyed uh, Lizzo, which is <laughs> she's. Uh, I came mm -hmm. through it uh, through a Netflix series uh, done by David Letterman. He, he was uh -huh. interviewing her, and it's like good mute pop music, and <laughs> she uh, just uh, yeah, that's a positive vibe in the workshop then and. Yeah. Um and then I also listen uh, um to that it's actually a customer of mine he's called David Charman he's working together with uh, a lot of new interesting musicians in France he's doing sort of a crossover to the uh temporary music. Right. And he's uh, also um uh together with uh Maria Nebeth Katja Lebec Uh, the Lebec sisters, they are piano sisters. And mm -hmm. uh, she was once married to John McLaughlin. And um, they are making a lot of kind these kind of projects. Uh, uh, they are reinterpreting Philip Glass, for instance, or right. uh, things like that. And um, that's right. David Charman and uh, his uh, projects, very interesting. Cool. Well, that's tons of music. You said you didn't have any, but that's, <laughs> that's plenty <laughs> yeah, there for yeah. people. Now when I'm thinking about it, it comes. <laughs> <laughs> There's tons of stuff. And I guess the last thing is, um, if people want to get to know Time or Guitar Works and everything you do, where's the best place for them to go and, and look that up? Uh, in the moment, it's actually Instagram and our homepage. Perfect. TimeLeGuitarWorks.com Perfect. I'll be, yeah, I'll link all of that in the description. Yeah. Make mm -hmm. sure people can can get to that easily. I'll link the social media and onto the website as well. Awesome. Yeah. Um well, we'll leave it there for today. I've taken so much of your time, but thank you so much to you Frank for joining me. Yeah, thanks a lot for the interview. It was a pleasure. No problem at all. Anytime. Um and to everyone else, take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and I'll catch you again tomorrow.